You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome, good morning or good afternoon to all of you out there listening, tuning in to us here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, and we'll be for the next 30 minutes, and we're here to talk pets. We're here to talk about your pets, so I want to hear from you. Very easily done, 877-385-8882. Just give us a call. You can also log on to our, I must say, very new, great-looking website and web pages here at Pet Life Radio. You click on the Ask the Vets tab with Dr. Jeff, and you can just join in the conversation. Scroll down. It says, listen live every Sunday, and there's a place where you can join the conversation. Just sit there and type away, ask your questions. We will get to you live, which is great. Or you can send an email to drjeff, Dr. Jeff, at Pet Life Radio, and we will get you uh, get you an answer ASAP, hopefully live here right on the show. And once again, we're here with the help of our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products. These are veterinary type, veterinary quality products that you can get over the counter at your mass retailers like your Walmarts and your Targets. They are great. And also Kong, K-O-N-G Toys. As a matter of fact, I mentioned it last week. And we'll mention it again a number of times for any of you, any of you here in the Southern California area, especially in the uh, L.A. or Hollywood area, Kong is going to once again host the More Than a Cone event. And one of the things that Kong makes for both the pet and veterinary industry are the not-so-attractive lampshade collars, as we call them, the Elizabethan collars, the e-collars. And so what Kong did is they commissioned world-famous artists, we're talking famous artists, to paint the cones, using the cone as their canvas. And these masterpieces will be auctioned off, the money going to charities, animal charities. We're going to have a lot of celebrities there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And what they're also thinking of doing, which I think would be really cool, is maybe taking some of the winning designs, incorporating them at a mass level into the cone itself. So when your dog has to go home, with one of those cones, instead of going home with a bland, off-white, clear-ish, whatever cone, they will be wearing a work of art. So it's pretty cool, and that event is coming up on the 11th of September. It's a Friday evening right at the Gene Autry, the Autry, in Griffith Park. Tickets are available. You can go online to More Than a Cone and just do a little Google search and give you all the information. But that should be a really, really fun event. There's going to be a lot of entertainment, a lot of great food, a lot of celebs, so if you can, join the More Than a Cone people in Kong folks on the 11th of September, coming up really soon. So before we left our show last week, we were talking about many different things. We talked about car safety and harnesses. One of the things also I wanted to talk about was, you know, when I was doing my trip to the Amazon a number of years ago, I was the sole U.S. veterinarian, and the other veterinarians that joined me on this trip, we were just basically capturing dogs and cats. I was bringing supplies from the U.S., vaccination, ivermectin, which treats mange, suture material, anesthesia gas. I mean, they had, I mean, they had the machine. They just had no anesthetic gas. So, so I brought that. It was really an amazing, amazing trip. We must have caught and captured, I don't know, close to 150 dogs and cats. If you look, you can go on to fixingfido.com. And you can see footage of our trip. It's really, really amazing. 
But one of the things I noticed when we were working with these European veterinarians, there were a couple of vets there from Australia, one from New Zealand, one from Italy, that in Europe, the surgery that they do on female dogs and cats to sterilize is called an ovariectomy, where here in the States, we have for years done ovariohysterectomy. I just found it interesting because they've been doing ovariectomies alone for years. What was the purpose? Why are we subjecting our dogs and cats to a slightly longer procedure? I mean, after you get good at it, it's really not that much longer, but, but it is. Maybe the incision a little bit longer because you have to get the base of the uterus, the body of the uterus, we call it. Whereas if we were just going just after the ovaries, so we would just have a, uh, even a smaller incision, which means shorter healing, less pain, etc. So where did this all come from and why? And the thought had always been that there are more problems associated with the female reproductive tract than just ovary. In other words, ovarian cysts, ovarian cancer. Yeah, of course, that's a problem. That's something we need to deal with. The estrogen influence, especially early on in the future development of mammary cancer, is a well-known link. So there too, of course, we all agreed that it is important to remove the ovaries. But why the uterus? Well, there are other diseases that do affect the uterus. Pyometra, for example. It's a uterine infection. Endometritis, okay? Uterine cancer. So these two were reasons that we here in the U.S., when we were doing our surgeries, we always did not only ovariectomies, but we also took out the uterus, thus OVH, ovariohysterectomy. So what we're learning from the rest of the world, basically, one thing we know about pyometra, what makes pyometra possible is that when the estrogen influence on the uterus, it usually uh, seemingly happens usually after a heat, more often than not, like maybe eight weeks or so after a heat, it's a severe, potentially deadly uterine infection. The treatment, of course, is ovariohysterectomy. Now, there is an entity that we often see that is called a stump pyometra. What does that mean? That means that we here did a ovariohysterectomy, removed the body, uh, removed the ovaries, the body of the uterus, down to the uterus. We usually try to take the, just at the level of the cervix is where we will remove the body of the uterus. So what happens? What happens is that sometimes that little piece called the uterine stump that we have to leave behind, it's just really inaccessible, that can develop into pyometra. So the question remains, what do we know if I have a dog that has been spayed and is presenting with what we feel is a stump pyometra, there is something very interesting that I know about this dog. And that is that somewhere, somehow, ovarian tissue was left behind. Without any ovarian tissue, then these dogs cannot get a stump pyo. Well, the Europeans apparently know that. Why? Because they feel that if you do a complete, no mistakes, no, not leaving any ovarian tissue behind, ovariectomy, the uterus survives solely on the estrogen influences, the hormonal influences from the ovaries. So when you remove the ovaries, what happens to the normal, healthy uterus? It literally shrivels up and dies. It creates a band of tissue. It's, it's just there. It serves no purpose. It can't get pyo. It can't get cancer. So it's just there. So if that's the case, why subject these animals to a longer surgical time, to larger incisions, etc., when all you really needed to do to achieve all the results that we are striving to achieve, i.e., 
the hormone changes. We want to minimize pyometra. We want to minimize uterine cancer. We want to minimize or remove the threat of ovarian cancer. Get them early. We'll hopefully reduce by a lot the incidence of mammary cancer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it turns out that maybe we really don't need here in the U.S. to do ovario hysterectomies. We probably can just ovariectomies. So, you know, this is something, the question as to what we knew then and what we know now, maybe we don't need to do all this, the more extensive surgery, but I find it very interesting that we here in the U.S., probably one of the more advanced, if not the most advanced veterinary community in the world, and what we know and what we do and how we treat our pets, how pets have achieved such a status in our homes here, the quality of medicine that we can provide. When I was speaking recently at the Latin American Veterinary Conference, I, was, I had the, the pleasure of visiting the top veterinary school in Lima, San Marcos University. And one thing that was unique about San Marcos is it is the most difficult to get into. Why? Because it is the, the country's only public veterinary school. And veterinary or universities in general at the public level are basically free. I mean, literally, these students can get in, it, it might be $30 a year. So, of course, everybody wants to go because they can't pay anything. Ah, but that's the upside. So, you have a very, very bright kids that are able to get in. They have to take very tough exams, and they gain entrance to this university, which happens to be the oldest university, certainly in the Americas, maybe even the world, but certainly it's the oldest university in the Americas. And what I found so interesting as I was walking through is how poorly equipped this teaching hospital is. Why? I asked my host, why? I don't understand it. This is the best vet school in the country. Why does it look like this? They're using an x-ray machine that's got to be 40 plus years old. And the answer was that it's a state school. So yes, everybody wants to get in because they have no money, but the problem is they have no money. They're not getting collecting money from tuition. The state doesn't give them the country doesn't give them money the way it should to equip, to furnish their school. And therefore, from an equipment, from an instrument standpoint, it was very, I mean, seriously, seriously deficient. And I mean, so here we are in America where I will tell you that most of our hospitals, the hospitals that you bring your pets to, believe it or not, are better equipped than this country's best veterinary school. Now, in contrast, I worked one day doing some spay-neuter clinic with another of the veterinary schools, that it's a private veterinary school. And of course, those that attend San Marcos are saying, oh God, you go to the private schools, oh, anybody can get in. It doesn't be a big deal. It's like, you know, all you have to do is have the money. Well, meanwhile, that may be true, but I got to tell you, this place, they, the equipment they had was literally top-notch. And these students were get, also getting a terrific education. So that's a battle that I'm not going to get involved in, but I have to tell you that I was thoroughly impressed with Robert, I think it was Roberto de Palma Veterinary College. It was just amazing. So, but we can learn, my point being that even though we are much more advanced, where our private veterinary hospitals are probably nicer, better equipped, better training for our staff than many of the veterinary teaching hospitals around the world, and yet they've been doing something that makes a little more sense, possibly. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how this trend changes. I think now, that the um, board-certified veterinary surgeons are uh, on board, you might see some changes in how we practice. There's a, a great article by our uh, Dr. Phil on PHN, on uh, Pet Health Network, about 
ovariectomy versus ovariohysterectomy, and it might be an interesting read. So uh, anyway, we're going to break here for uh, a short break. Then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some other pretty, pretty cool stuff. Stay tuned. You're here with live with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food, and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Amazing Pet Expos is coming to a city near you. Admission is always free, and your pet is welcome. Shopping, adoptions, free nail trims, discounted shots and microchipping, agility, a pet costume contest, and much more. Plus, meet the guys from Animal Planet's hit TV series Tank and Pit Boss online at AmazingPetExpos.com. Bring your pets to the Pet Expo! Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host of Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet. Dr. Jeff. And um, I, you know, a question that we always get, and it seems like overly simplified, but it's interesting why people have to know this. You know, in other words, and the question is, how old is my dog in people years? Like, what's the difference? Does it really make a difference? There's no really easy answer. So, you know, you hear people say, oh, well, it's one year for seven. So, for example, when a dog is one, they're like seven, two, like 14, three, like 21. Not really. That's a bit of an oversimplification because it has a lot to do with the dog's size. Because we do know, what do we know? That if you heard of a Labrador making it to 14 or 15, as my Grover is 14 and a half right now, it's like, oh my God, that's amazing. But if you hear of a little Chihuahua, right, or a Palm or a Yorkie making it to 14, you go, well, he's getting old. Because we can see those dogs live to 17, 18, 19, even 20. But are we going to see a large breed dog make it to the 20? Highly, highly unlikely. So there is a, there's a range. There's no simple answer. So there was a great article that I'm going to just kind of look. Uh, it says basically, how old is your dog in people years? Uh, this is um, viewed by uh, Dr. Clements, at, uh, who's an internal medicine specialist. I think it's pretty cool. So 
basically, we're going to go through some sort of milestones in years. So the thought is this. We know that the larger dogs mature more rapidly, and the smaller dogs take a little longer to mature. So for example, to reach adolescence, a small breed will need about two years, whereas a big breed, by the time they're a year and a half. So this chart's pretty cool. And um, I'm going to talk to our producer, Mark, see if there's a way we can get this posted and sent out just to leave it have, at least have it on the website. But age one, when your dog is one year, if you have a small breed, that's about the, uh, it's going to be ultimately anywhere from one to 20 pounds. That's about seven years. A dog, 20 to 57. A dog would be, he's going to grow up to about 50 to 90 pounds. It's like eight. And a large breed dog over 90 pounds is nine after a year. By year two, this is where it gets. So look, you're looking at two year difference. Big deal. Seven to nine for a little dog to a, a giant breed. But check this out. By year two, it's not seven years anymore because the little dog is now only 13. The dog who's 20 to 50 pounds, small, medium, right, is about 14 years. The large, medium to large, is about 16. And check this out. The giant breed is now 18. So they, by the time they're two years of age, they're 18 already. And then it goes on and on. So let, let's take a six-year-old dog. Six-year-old dog, if we went the medium, one per seven, then you're probably right on because that's about right. 20 to 50 pounds, one per seven works. You got about a 42, all right? But the small breed is only 40. The large breed is 45, and the giant is 49. Now, if we went a little further to see how it changes as they mature, let's take when we consider dogs seniors. We consider dogs seniors when they're about eight years old. Seven to eight, for example. Why do I and my hospital recommend that we start with routine blood tests? That's the, the dog who comes in. There is nothing wrong. He's healthy. He's eating. He's got great stool. Everything is perfect. When do I want to start taking lab work, annual physical lab work, get a blood, get a urine, maybe take a chest x-ray? Around seven. Well, check this out. A seven-year-old large breed dog is 50 and a giant breed is 56. Well, what do our doctors tell us? By the time we hit 50, we need to start going in as well. So they're there, whereas the smaller breed is only 44. Now, but at eight years of age, ah, now that small breed is even 48. The small to medium is 51 years of age. The large is 55. And wow, the at eight years of age, that giant breed dog is like 64. So now you could see the difference, how it is continuing from 56 to 64. That's eight years in a year. And then it starts to slow down a little bit as they continue. But it's always seven to eight years for the giant breeds. And for the big breeds, it's, it's dropping. For example, from eight to nine on that small breed, they go from seven to eight is 44 to 48. That's four years. From eight to nine, it's 48 to 52. That's another four years. From nine to 10 is 52 to 56, another four years. So they start, they just continue to age once they hit a certain point from five to six. Once they hit six years of age, every year for them, the medium and giant, it's, it's five to six years or even seven years or more. So now I look at my, my Grover, my 14 and a half year old black lab who is a uh, knock on wood, he is in amazing shape. So I look at him and at 14, where is my little Frenchie at none is 56, okay? My older Frenchie, at 14 and a half, my Labrador, Grover is like 90, almost 91. And if I had a giant breed who hits 14, which would be amazing, uh, 108. So they even stopped counting. Uh, and that's when we, we start thinking of really geriatric. That's when, you know, you get these dogs that are coming in and the complaints are, they are just, it's not like they're totally incontinent. 
they're peeing. Or in the house, they forget their house training. Or they walk around at night pacing and panting. They don't seem to hear you as well anymore. This is when that they're going from a senior to really geriatric. Uh, and we have to obviously make adjustments. This is where there's no right or wrong when it comes to the decision, that difficult decision that we often are forced to make about when do we say goodbye? Because it's different. It's, there are some people that if you have a, a smaller dog who is in the hundreds, and that could be a, a dog, let's say, at a small breed that's 20 or 21. And that's what's interesting. In order for a little breed dog, a small breed, under 20 pounds, to be called over 100, they have to be 21 or 22, 100, 104. To be 108, they have to live to 23. Whereas a giant breed, to be quote unquote 108, they only have to make it to 14. So you see that how, how different it is and how the formula changes for size and also as their years progress. So to go back to what we talked about early, to say simply that, oh, it's one per seven not, may not be a good idea. So when you're a veterinarian, when you have that giant breed who comes in and he's only six or seven and the doc says, hey, it's time to do our bloods and our x-rays, maybe a little EKG, understand we're doing it for your pet's own good because if we can catch some of these conditions early, then there's still a greater possibility of being able to slow a process down. Could we be eliminated? Could we stop it? Maybe not. I'll be more bold. Most likely not. But can we make adjustments in lifestyle, in diet, in supplements, in exercise to make it easier and to slow this process down? Absolutely. So understand, and I tell this to people all the time, you know, they, they're coming in, there's a little bit of a problem, and I say, your dog is nine, your dog is eight, whatever it is. And even if it came in perfect, I'd still recommend doing what we're going to do today. I make sure I don't say doing what I would like to do today because for me, it's not a choice. And I want to make sure that the owner, you know, it's not a choice. And I say, this is what we're doing today because I don't want it on my conscience that I missed something that could have been fixed, that could have been saved, the process that could have been caught early and slowed down. I mean, you know what they say about certain cancers and people that by the time the diagnosis is made, it's too late. There's not a whole lot you can do. So it's really no different. So when you have that senior pet coming in and it's a senior and they're here and you know they're acting just fine. I can't tell you how many masses, for example, a splenic mass that we found on a routine x-ray or a routine, routine ultrasound. No disease yet. It wasn't ruptured yet. It wasn't bleeding into the abdomen yet. But we took an x-ray because it was time and we found something that we were able to help that we're able to fix, that we're able to remove. So it's very, very important now that you know ages, you know how old your pet really is. As I said, we're going to try to get this really, really cool chart posted on the uh, Pet Life Radio website or on, uh, under my page on Pet Life Radio, but it's really cool. So you can know and sort of clarify all the confusions that you've had over the years about just how old is my dog in people years. So anyway, our time is up here on Pet Life Radio. That's with Dr. Jeff. I want to thank you uh, for joining me and welcome me into your uh, homes, your car, or wherever it is that you're listening. Uh, in the LA area, mark down September 11 for the More Than a Cone charity event at Griffith Park. Once again, thank you to Kong and to ProSense Pet Products for, for helping us with our show. And we will see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.